Welcome to the Wonder Women Tech Show, where we highlight, celebrate, and amplify global leaders who are creating impact. We humanize our role models and curate a culture of vulnerability and belonging. This is a show designed to innovate, empower, and ignite. I'm your host, Lisa May Brunson. It's Lisa Mae Brunson, the host of the Wonder Woman Tech Show, and I am here today with South LA tech royalty, Cassie Betts. She is the founder of District2.co, made in South LA dev shop. She's also the founding member of Black Women in Tech. First of all, you are South LA royalty. Oh, did you just say that? You are South LA tech royalty, woman. Like, I am so excited because... If you talk to anyone in Los Angeles about the tech space and you ask for recommendations on like, who can I connect with? Like Cassie Betts name comes up. And so like you have crossed, you know, my emails multiple times over the years. And so first of all, I want to talk about the fact that you were part of Wonder Woman Tech in our year one. So like you've been with us since Wonder Woman Tech's first conference. Remember? Yeah, I do. Clearly, yes. I was so excited to have you on board and I was nervous. And not only that, you know, just having you, you know, one of the things that first struck me about you was that you were so down to earth and nice. <laughs> I mean, I, I appreciate that. And why does everybody say, say that? Why are they all surprised? <laughs> well, I. Everyone is always surprised. I'm like, I just, I got bitch written on my face. <laughs> Your headshot, though, is diva queen. Like, that's why I'm calling you royalty, because you exude this charm and this existence that is like, respect me, because I am brilliant. And if you look at your CV, you look at your bio, you look at all the amazing things that you've done. I mean, you should look like that. struck me about you was you just had this personality that was welcoming. And I think that's likely an asset in the work that you do because you are the founder of District 2, made in South LA, Misla, and doing so much work for our community as a founding member for Black Women in Tech. It's been a while since I've seen you. I'd love to hear like what you've been up to because is there anything you can't do? <laughs> I am, like I said, living my dream. So I had this dream literally 10 years ago to start. At that time, it wasn't a tech center. It was like a space where kids could come and learn fashion and music. 
and, you know, get love and support and mentoring. And at the time, my husband's bandmates, they were like in this band on, I think it was DreamWorks, they were signed to. And he was like, Cassie, we should do the center, you know, where we teach kids, you know, he played the drums. Bam, shout out to Bam. Bam gave me this idea, literally. He was like, we should do a center where you teach fashion and like the technical side of it, because he realized like fashion isn't just about drawing pretty pictures. It's actually a lot of tech, a lot of math involved, right? He's like, you teach that. We'll teach music, audio, engineering, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, great. And then I'm moving forward, and he, like, went to Japan on a tour. Like, I'm going to do this without you. <laughs> he was like, sayonara. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, meanwhile, yes, I started District 2, but I was always doing this. This, honestly, Miss Love was more, what well, before it was called Miss Love, was more of a passion, like, working with kids, working with homeless youth, because I was a homeless youth. And I connect very well with young people because of what I've been through, abuse, homelessness. You know, when you go through that and you're open about it and share it, it just gives me like instant street cred, I guess, or instant respect of like, no, like I slept outside. You understand? You will listen to, to the words coming out of my mouth right now because I'm not here for no other reason other than I love you, so let's go. And someone helped me out of that, you know, so... Bam was like, let's do this. And then I tried it once at, uh, we were on the second floor of a place called Saya, Soledad Enrichment Action, which is on Manchester and um, Vermont. It's in a city, it's in an area of South LA called uh, Murder's Row. That's what they call it, right? So that's where I decided I was going to set up. <laughs> so you decided to set up shop on Murder's Row. Murderers Row. Yes, that's why I decided. Um, actually, it just kind of happened, you know. Sometimes God just, does, you know, works in mysterious ways. Um, somebody came to me like, hey, I heard you trying to start this program. We have the whole second floor of the school. You can do it there. And I'm like, yeah, let's go. I go there. I see where it's at. Okay, yeah, it's in the hood. It's okay. I, I'm from, I was born in South L.A., um, but moved to Hawaii, came back. I know what hood is like. I know island hood. I know country hood in Illinois. <laughs> I used to live in the, the country, you know, like I know hood. So that's not an issue. I had no issues there ever, you know, not with the kids or not with the community, but actually within the school, there's always like, I feel like when you come in and you do these things that brings money, everybody thinks like you get the money. <laughs> <laughs> So we got $50,000 from Mark Ridley Thomas's office that went to the school. I didn't get to touch. (laughs) But they do, right? They do. It's so true. I mean, everybody's like, because we had all this check. But still, like, we're all working for free. I have a whole team of volunteers. Edward, Chris, Philip, Sean, Brian Bowser. I remember he did the logo. And initially, we're just like, you know, we're going to work with kids. And that's how it was born. And, you know, trying to do this whole tech center thing has been something that this is like my third go around now, partnering with Vermont Slauson Economic Development Corporation, VSEDC, now (laughs) finally (laughs) actually happening, amazingly. So how, like, when was this idea first conceptualized? And like, when did you launch? So how much time from that to where you're at now? Well, I mean, the conversation with Bam happened, like, in 2009. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then 2013, 2014, around the same time when I started District 2, I had papers where I was, like, had my little outline of 
what this like little tech center would do. We would teach kids how to code. We would teach them multimedia, you know, like all things tech. Like it was just all about technology because I felt like like that's how that's how we fight gentrification. That's how we fight poverty. That's how we fight racism. I mean, honestly, like if we own the tech, if we're creating and not consuming, it's a game changer. Thank you. So that's one of the things I was just really adamant about. And so I went to Vermont Slauson when Marva um, ran it, and it was just too soon for them. I think I went in 2013. She was just like, uh, not what she was doing. She was doing economic development, small businesses, not dealing with kids at the time, you know? So then when Joe Roseanne took over and went back, he was like, look, I trust you and I believe in you, you know? So let's just, let's keep rocking. And it just started small. Like I would do like the coding camp and they would fund it. They would sponsor it, you know? And then we would do like... Um, I parted with them and helped them with the Youth Entrepreneurial Challenge where we um, had kids pitch startup style, you know, that Union Bank funded and Vermont Slauson. And it just kind of grew and grew. And I started partnering with the Limitless Academy over here, Steam Coders over there, you know, me and you, you know, Wonder Woman Tech started doing panels and all that kept growing. And honestly, to be honest with you, as far as District 2, I had kind of lost my love for it. I lost my love for the fashion industry when I just really realized, I mean, I always knew what it was. Like, it's consumerism. It's materialism. That's what it is. But that's not the part I loved. I, I love the indie design. I love the art behind it, you know? Yes. And that's so rare. It's, it's, it's such a struggle, like, for real artists to win in the fashion industry because at the end of the day, you know, who can afford this $1,000 jacket? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> The fashion industry just has so many barriers for people like you and I, not just from the creative side, but from the economic side. You're right to be able to buy the dress that we love, you know, from a designer that we love. So I can imagine why you would become, you know, disillusioned by the industry. Right. And again, but I mean, I adore fashion because it is art when it's done right. But the way I was living it was not about art. It was about bottom dollar. I was making a living. I was just like getting pimped, basically. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> not, even, not even getting to wear any of the stuff that I'm designing. Like, I can't even afford this, you know? And then when I built District 2, I did a pitch competition and kids were the judges. And the kids asked, how can you make sure your factories are ethical? Because District 2 connects designers with factories. And so the kids asked me, you know, how do you know? And I was just, I think I made up sign. I, I have a little made up answer and I answered it. But in reality, the more I researched it, the more I realized it is nearly impossible to really make sure all the factories on your platform are ethical, don't have little kids sewing, you know, are, you know, paying great good wages, you know, it's very difficult. And I just was like, it just started to kind of get to me. And I was just tired. I, you know, you know, the startup grind, I mean, oh, yeah, hours a day. It's like your life, you give your heart, your soul, your life to that startup. It is your baby, you know? Yeah. And I was just like, I'm tired. I have failed. Well, I mean, you haven't failed. You haven't failed, but the burnout is real, right? The burnout is real. It's still like live. It still makes more money than it costs, you know? But in, in in the world of like, when I tell people how much it makes, they're like, oh my God, that's awesome. And I'm like, no, it's not. Like in the world of tech, this is terrible. You don't understand. If you're not making millions, you're not winning, period, you know? 
so in the world of tech, it's a failed tech company. However, it got me so many places. I, I have no regrets whatsoever, you know? So essentially, you have to pivot. Right. So honestly, my real, real, real passion, like the thing you do for free, that's your real passion, you know? So I was teaching kids to code since 2014, mentoring girls in the fashion industry since 2000. As long as I can remember, I've always mentored homeless youth, at-risk youth, worked with them, done fashion shows when I was rocking it in fashion, now in tech. So for free, 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 you know, for free 99, <laughs> I was spending hours doing this because I was passionate about it. And now, you know, I get a pretty steady income, stream of income from teaching kids to code from exactly what I was doing for free for five years, you know? So it's just such a blessing. I'm so grateful to have that and still be in tech. I've learned to, like, now I know how it really works. You launch a startup, all the things I did wrong. But I'm sure it's because of all of the life lessons that you've been through, your experience, and the quote-unquote failures, you know, because you're failing up. Everything is an opportunity to learn and grow and then come out as a badass, right? (laughs) Absolutely. You know, Best Buy and the Clubhouse Network are our main partners. Best Buy is sponsoring the Best Buy Teen Tech Center that will be in South LA across from the Slots and Swap Meet. So I've visited a lot of their tech centers and they have a wall of failures. <laughs> I was like, like literally a wall of failures? Literally a wall of fa- like all the kids' failures, you know? And I was like, that is so important to celebrate your failures because if you don't, you'll stop, you know? Like people are like, oh my God, it's so negative. Cassie to be like, you know, we're going to fail. Like it's highly, like, you're, you have to, Every, you know, when you're not doing it right. Every person <laughs> fails. You know how many failures I have? Over. With Wonder Women Tech, I'm like, well, that didn't go right. Like, <laughs> like there's there's so many fa- aspects of your work that just are just failures, and you learn and you from them. In front of thousands of people, thousands, <laughs> literally hundreds of thousands, maybe. You know, you are failing, and that takes cojones. You know what I mean? Like, that takes a special kind of person to be like, I'm probably gonna fail, and everybody's gonna know it. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to fail. This has to be perfect. And I, I tell businesses all the time, especially with their websites, oh, my God, everybody wants their website to be so freaking perfect. I'm like, if you don't launch this bad boy, I will stab you. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's not perfect. It's not, it's perfect. not going to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect. Never. Do you understand that Google is currently not perfect right now? Facebook, Google, like none of them are perfect. So just go. Or, or we're never going to launch this thing, you know? <laughs> and that was something that I had to learn, uh, you know, working in the fashion industry. Like, we just got to put out this line. Like, we, we it's not perfect, but you know what? Like, it's, there's going to be zero lines and zero dollars if we don't put it out. But it's so um, true. Like, I remember when I first started Wonder Woman Tech, I was so worried about failing. Like, everything had to be perfect. And every otherwise, I wouldn't do it because it had to look a certain way. And then when things just did not look a certain way, <laughs> I learned over time that it was okay. And so now I own my failures because I'm like, okay, well, this is an opportunity to grow and build even greater. And so now I'm publicly talking about the things that don't work out for me, you know, and that has transformed the way that I do business. 
believe it or not, people are now showing up for me because I'm being authentic and real and saying, I need help, or this isn't working out, or I'm not raising enough money. And now people are able to show up in better ways because I'm pretty much like, this didn't work out, so I need some help. And people are coming to the woodwork, you know, they're picking up the pace and filling the gaps. And I would have never done that two years ago. Never done that when, you know, I first launched Wonder Woman Tech when you were around, you know, I would have never said to you, Cassie, oh my God, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Can you help me out here? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no, I say that on the regular, like I have no idea what I'm doing, you know? (laughs) What's more fun, what's even funnier is when, you know, I'm in front of a class of kids and I'm supposed to be the person who knows what they're doing. I'm like, yeah, no, I have no idea what I'm doing. What do you mean you don't know how to do this? I'm like, well, this is part of being an engineer. Let's figure it out together. Thank you. I'm so glad to hear that. I'm not the only one because I even tell my interns, I'm like, well, I don't know. So we're going to figure it out together. We're going to we're going to work through this together. We're in this together. (laughs) Yeah. Tell me more about the kids. Are they like inner city youth? Where are these kids coming from? Absolutely. Um, Yeah. From South L.A. So before COVID hit, it was everyone in the, from the schools, from the local schools or the local nonprofits, because I had been working with a lot of the nonprofits. So I would just send out an email, like, hey guys, you know, we have scholarship for coding boot camps, and they would send them, and that's where they're from. Um, and then we also changed our curriculum to be mobile friendly. So we not only, the two focuses of my boot camp, Missla and Vermont Slauson, is like, in the technology space is the tech coding, you know, building apps and websites and multimedia because multimedia is such a big deal because if we control the narrative, yep. we control our future, yep. you know? So not only do we want to build the platforms that distribute the narratives, you know what I mean? Like we want to build, create the narrative. Like right now, this podcast is the narrative. So it's important. This is multimedia. This yep. is very important for our future because that's how racism spread. That's how systemic racism was spread in the first place because of the newspapers and how they made us look, you know, all the men are, all the black men are rapists and all the black women are just, you know, sex fiends or whatever, you know, it was just, this is how they assassinated our character and made it okay because it made us less than human. So it made it okay to do the things that they did to us even, you know, far after slavery and still now, you know, like if you look at the news of the right wing news and the left is just completely different. I'm like, it's the same story, but the way it's told is just crazy. Like I intentionally tricked the Facebook algorithms to show me um, right wing conservative stuff. And I'm just blown away at literally the same footage, but the narrative is different. Well, you know, it's it's so interesting that you're talking about this because, you know, when we had to pivot with Wonder Women Tech, the first thing I told my team is we're building a multimedia platform. Like this is where we need to live. This is where we need to create the most impact with these same demographics, because you're right. We have not had a seat at the table in all of those spaces where our character is assassinated. And I love how you bring us to this place where we can look at how we can make an impact and change that. And, you know, with the work that you're doing with working with the younger generation and making sure that they're upskilled, I feel like we are at a precipice where this is an important time for us to make that impact that we need to be making. You know, the Black Lives Matter movement 
how do you feel like this is going to take us into the next century? As far as the Black Lives Matter? As far as the Black Lives Matter and like how we are responding to that with with the way that we do business. Uh, Well, I think I can already see it now. So the whole Black Lives Matter literally was a trend. I I can see the down, the trend in it. I, I knew this would happen. You know, it's like it was all trendy. It's the whole thing. But like, and then now it's just kind of... Um, like something happened recently. Um, oh yeah, there was a another film, like a whole another video where literally they killed another black man um, by suffocation. But this video is not on any major media outlet. <laughs> you know, like it's just so it's like BLM was good for six weeks. Yeah, it's like six yeah. weeks, and then after six weeks, we're done. Like, what's next? That's life. But a lot came from that. You know, a lot of partnerships came out of that in my space. Personally, a lot of people saw what they didn't know was what they didn't know. I mean, it's shocking to me and you, but a lot of people didn't know it was that bad. They didn't know the things that were happening. So now I'm having all these conversations with a lot of my colleagues and, you know, former investors. And they were just like, oh, my God, like, it was like we were making up systemic oppression. Like, we were just making that up, you know? Yeah. No, it's so true. My I, my inbox was blowing up with people asking questions. What can we do? I feel guilty. I had strangers writing me from our conferences saying, I had no idea it was this bad. What can I do? I feel like, what can I sell T-shirts and donate the money to a Black-owned company? You know, it was really insane the first three weeks, I'd have to say. I was actually like triggered by everything that happened. Those first several weeks after George Floyd was murdered were probably some of the hardest weeks I've lived since my childhood because it was so traumatic for me to have to relive what I actually do live through every day. But it was like it's blatantly in your face all at once by everybody, you know, and I stood outside of my front door and somebody called me the N-word. Like in those weeks, you know, in those days and weeks. And it was like, it was just such this energy that was happening, right? And you're right, the momentum dies down after a few weeks. And then it's like business as usual. In those first few weeks, everybody was like, there was companies that were like, what can we do? We're going to throw money at you. You know, black owned businesses, let's give you 5,000. Let's give you 10,000. Let's give you 20,000, you know, and then you're right, crickets. It's like, what? Like what net, how do we create a sustainable space where we continue to be supported and fund it, right? Exactly. But like, I will call you out, you know, like all (laughs) all the corporations who y'all said publicly, like, look, I'm not going to say your names right now, but there are some corporations that literally did press releases about the money they were going to give us that they have yet to write a check, you know? Thank you. Like, I will call you out. If we don't get out, <laughs> I will get gangster in a heartbeat. Like, don't make the gangster cats come out. You know what I mean? Like, I'll be all on social media calling out all kind of corporations. Um, so what you're saying, Cassie, is three months from now, we're going to revisit and see who, who followed through. Exactly. You don't know. Exactly. <laughs> you don't know. Because don't make a promise. And it, just because it was trendy. And yep. follow through with your promise. That's you know? happened to us. Not just this year, it's happened to us in the six years we've been in existence where we've been told, oh, we love what you're doing. We're going to do ABC. We're going to come in at $100,000 and they give us and they give us 15. 
You know, so this is something that we experience as not just women, but black women. And I don't know, you know, I want to talk about having to prove ourselves. We come up with these brilliant ideas. You talked about being supported, but I want to go to a space where you were not supported, where you had to prove yourself. Was there ever a time where you felt like you were just spinning your wheels and trying to just be seen and heard? Oh, God. Yeah, pretty much every time you go into a new space, like when I first went into fashion, when I first went into tech, every new space you go into, that's kind of, that's expected. You know, like you have to prove yourself. And I'm, I think I'm okay with that. Like, I, I don't know if I'd want it any different. I think it's made me who I am. I kind of like the shock and awe that happens. <laughs> Because you're a badass. Thank you. I appreciate that. But yeah, like, it's like, oh, little black girl at a, at a tent conference. <laughs> That's funny, you know. And then, <laughs> and then they speak to me or they see something I've built and they're like, wait, you, you built that? Like, <laughs> they're like, there's PHP in there. Like, I'm like yeah, I know. You know? Like, oh, wow. So the shock and awe is pretty cool. And then, you can also see when they're speaking to you and they realize that you understand the words that are coming out of their mouth. Yep. You know, um, that's pretty cool. I like, I think I kind of like being underestimated because it shows who people really are. And then it kind of puts you at an advantage because they've like totally shown their ass. You know? <laughs> Whether it be misogynistic or racist. Um, because they realize they just did a super misogynistic slash racist, made a racist statement or, you know, by assuming, I had one guy assume I was like the coffee girl, you know, at a tech, he, he asked me to get him coffee, girl, and I was a keynote speaker. Okay. Oh my God. You know what I love about this perspective? Because, you know, a lot of us don't think, and I'll even say for myself, like, I don't always think like that. Like, oh, the shock and awe factor. Like, sometimes I walk away with feeling kind of defeated. But you just, you just brought a whole new perspective to me. Because I remember I was at CES and I was in my, I mean, I wear dresses, cowboy boots and crowns, you know, flower crowns. Like, I do, like... And I walk in and I'm the guest speaker as well, the keynote speaker. And of course, you know, the founder of Wonder Women Tech and I walk in and they're looking at me and I've literally, you know, you see those looks where they're looking you up and down. I've tried to, it's almost feels like infiltrating their space. You know, like you're coming in, you're having a conversation. They roll their eyes. They look another way. They talk to the man next to you. Yeah, the man next to you, and you are invisible. And I've, Mm -hmm. you know, and I will have to admit, just being in a vulnerable space, I have walked away feeling defeated. You know, sometimes I'll walk away and go grab a drink or go into a corner somewhere or find someone else like myself, which is very rare. I know, you just, you just like put me on blast right now. Look, next time you feel that, I'm going to need you to see my face in your head. (laughs) I'm going to look at your headshot, Cassie, and be like, that's tech royalty. What would Cassie do, okay? You know, Cassie, <laughs> I've been in this situation where literally I'm standing there, you know, it's all, you know, white men, and they're having a conversation about tech and investments and this and that, and they're literally talking over me. No one is looking at me. No one is speaking to me. I'm like, I'm looking like really I'm standing right here, you know? And they'll just talk and talk and talk, and I'll just be quiet, 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 and then all of a sudden I speak. <laughs> And they see me for the first time and they're like literally blown away 
time, so they think I'm like 20-something, you know? So they're very confused, and then they start asking questions, and you can see their eyes gauge all this interest. They're like, wait, so so you're building a tech company? Like, like who's, so who's overseeing that? I'm like, me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, where did you get the money? And I'm like, and then you start dropping the names, Best Buy, Annenberg Tech, you know, everybody knows who Annenberg is. Yep. Annenberg Foundation is one of our major sponsors. Pledge LA is um, an initiative from the mayor's office. And so, yeah, when you start dropping certain names, they're just like, oh, okay, you know, and then you start dropping dollar amounts, you know, how much you raise and the other tech companies you're working with, and they're just like, oh, can we uh, have a meeting next week, you know? (laughs) Greatest feeling on the planet when you convert a skeptic. It's the greatest feeling on the planet. And you know, the other thing I do is I never directly call people out on their shit. Like, I actually don't call people out because you don't have to. Because the guy who asked me to get him coffee, right? I was like, you know what? I'm going to just let him live because I'm near the kitchen. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I'm the only woman here and I'm the only woman of color. So, of course, I'm the coffee girl. You know, I was like, that's both misogynistic and racist. But I'm just going to go get him some coffee, right? So I go <laughs> get him coffee. I'm like, would you like cream and sugar? Yeah. I don't really get a lot of haterisms with the sisters. Like, it's very rare. I really, I cannot 
think of the last time a black woman hated on me. Like, just, like, all the way. You know what I mean? Well, because I told you, like, my first impression of you was, like, this is somebody that's, like, genuine and real. You know, it really is a testament to your character because not everyone is like that. You know, there's people that are afraid of supporting other people because it's like, oh, you're going to take what I want. Like, there's not enough for both of us, right? I've seen that in this industry, you know, in the tech space for women of color, Black and Latina, uh, Indigenous women. Like, we have a hard time getting to the higher spaces and getting the funding. So it is, you know, while while there is opportunity that we support each other, there is that other side, not just not just other black women, but just women in general who will not support each other because it's That's difficult true. for us. It's difficult for us to like how many of us can say, oh, we have best buy (laughs) that's that's like funding our ideas you know what i mean like you had to claw and scratch your way to get there in some form or fashion but you know it sounds like you've done it with integrity yeah and you need allies it was a game changer when anna burtek became an ally but you know i wanted to go back to talk about something which you mentioned you said something about the imposter syndrome yes Black women, people of color, a lot of times we do have the imposter syndrome. And I actually, a couple of years ago, I felt this feeling because I was asked to speak at this event in, um, what is it? Newport Beach. It was girl. Newport Beach. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they asked me, um, of course, again, only woman. I think I was legit. I was definitely the only black woman. So um, for, for, the, for the only woman of color. At the whole event, it was like a a week long, top notch tech companies. I mean, these people were making millions of dollars, and here I am making my like hundreds of thousands. You know. <laughs> well, so yeah. for those people that do not know what Newport Beach is, it's in Orange County, and it's very prominent, rich area. It's very white. Very white. <laughs> not a south like so a South LA black woman coming in there. I can understand. I can understand your your feelings. Oh, girl, and they had munching. When I tell you munching, they had munching for this conference. I mean, clearly, because they set me up in, like, the greatest hotel ever for the week. It's a week-long conference, okay? So all nice. the speakers are set up. I believe they paid, if I remember correctly. It was money, okay? And I brought my kids because we had actually just finished a camping trip. I literally went from Catalina Island camping trip to this Newport Beach Hotel. We were like filthy dirty. It was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could be a fly on the wall watching you guys walk in. <laughs> it was so funny. I mean, everybody was really nice. I'll give them that. Everybody was really nice, you know, and they were very nice to my kids. You know, it, it was all cool. Everybody was really nice, accepting all that. But I still felt like as I'm, because I think I maybe I talked on the fourth day. So I'm sitting through the first day, the second day, the third day, listening to all their tens of millions of dollars of problems. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I had $10 million problems. (laughs) And I'm just like, do I really have to speak? Did they just call me because I was like the only black woman they could find? You know, because I am not of this caliber. Like, I felt like I don't belong here. Right. So comes my day to speak and everybody's talking, everybody's talking and I'm listening to all their woes and all their problems and how life sucks. Right. And for me, honestly, I was at a space where we were actually generating profit with district two, even though it wasn't millions of dollars, it was profit. And I was actually just in a really happy, cool space. I didn't have millions of dollars to pay back 
from investors that I get millions of dollars from. <laughs> <laughs> Life's good. <laughs> you know, I was just kind of chilling. Like, I was just getting so stressed, you know? And I said to them, I said, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you guys. I said, um, if you look around the room, I'm the only black woman in this room. I said, and I felt like an imposter. I said, but one thing that I realized is what I have overcome to get here. I said, do you understand not so long ago, I slept on cardboard boxes. Like I slept outside. I slept on a bus stop bench. Like I went from that to sitting here in front of you, Cassie Betts, who's making a hundred thousand dollars instead of a million dollars like you or 10 million like you. And I started a tech company. You know what I mean? Do you understand what it takes to go from sleeping outside to starting a whole entire technology company? And I got the platform built. You know, I was like, do you understand what you have to overcome to do that? I said, so, you know what? I do deserve to be here. I do because the things that I have overcome to even get to this makes me somebody. You know, yes. like the whole like rooms applauded, you know, and I just realized like we can't measure our dollars against dollars. You know, black people, we didn't start at the same level. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So for me to be at one space, I've actually accomplished a whole hell of a lot more than you, sir, Donald Trump, who was born into wealth, you know? The starting point to the end point is so much greater than where they were at. Wow, that's so profound, Cassie. You know, I'm so glad. I always, I actually always say like a little meditation. I say, please let me say something profound. (laughs) (laughs) That is what I say every time before I'm going to do an interview, a podcast, because this is like forever. This is my immortality right now. This podcast, people can listen to this when I'm dead and gone 50 years into the future, you know, so like. Please let me say something profound. Well, I love this because on that note, it's a great segue to where I want to go because we need to bring it to a place of vulnerability. You know, one of the reasons why I wanted to build this podcast was to depict the real life journey of an entrepreneur and an innovator and like get to the root of who we are, that space of vulnerability, just being authentic and and go deep down. And so I want to go to the deep down and I want you to share something you've never shared with anyone else before. Why I work really well with kids though, like who have been through trauma and like inner city kids, because they're, they're literally all have PTSD legit. Like they've all been through either sexual abuse or physical abuse or neglect, starvation, sometimes like a lot of things these kids in South Central are going through, you know, and I think that's why I wanted to use my powers for good, you know, this is why I do what I do, not only with, with kids, but yes, a lot um, specifically with in communities of color and black women specific, because I think we have our own special traumas that we're all dealing with. But I thought of my thing, and I never told anybody. It's kind of funny, though. It's not. It's okay. <laughs> okay. So when I was like a teenager, I don't remember, 18, 17 or whatever, I would practice in the mirror. <laughs> I'm laughing and I don't even know why I'm laughing yet. <laughs> I would practice my interview with Oprah with Oh my God. Because I knew that I was gonna be so famous. Oprah was gonna call me and Oprah was gonna be like, Hey, Cassie Bet, I need to interview you and I would legit practice like what I me and Oprah were gonna talk about, you know, like I'd be like, Hey Oprah, you know. 
never tell anybody in life. <laughs> not anybody. Not even my ex-husband. Either. Oh, man. Because even back then, and even now, I still think about it. Like, I think about this moment that, like, I'm going to be on Oprah. Like, Oprah is going to be sitting across from me, and she's going to be, like, interviewing me about... It's crazy that I thought that when I was a teenager because I wasn't in tech. You know what I mean? I wasn't doing anything phenomenal. (laughs) 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 But I just knew I would. I knew I would. And you know why I knew I would? It was because I always read autobiographies when I was a kid. And I noticed that the greatest people had the most tragic lives. Okay? So your life, yeah. you know, what you yeah. went through, my life, like, yes, sexual abuse, physical abuse, domestic abuse, all of that. I have all that, the homelessness, all that. The greatest people had the most tragic lives. So I said, because of what I'm going through right now, when I'm a grown up, when I'm an adult, I'm going to do great things. And Oprah is going to interview me. Oh, you know what? <laughs> is on my vision board and she lives not far from us i'm manifesting it okay you know there's no award better than oprah in my opinion noticing me and my work and then not only that but now because you are being interviewed by oprah all the work that you forevermore do is just going to be gold you know oh i love that and that's real so yeah it's legit. I've always had this dream, and I've always done these practice in the mirror when I'm going to say to Oprah, but I never get that far because then I just start crying. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Cassie, I, I think that has to be the most adorable confession I have heard thus far. Like, that, like, I took it deep down. You took it, like. You heard it here first, everybody. You know what? I think it's adorable. Cassie, I love it. I'm glad you think so. Oh, yes. Yes. I have had such a fun time. Like, I I mean, I feel like we didn't even do a podcast. I felt like we were just like sitting in each other's living room, having drinks, doing happy hour, talking about all the things. Like, it has been so fun. I I hate that. I'm looking at the time like, wait, we, we are going. I will have to say, like, you've impacted me where I'm like, it's an opportunity to reframe your experience because in this space, it is challenging. It is difficult. Like the reality is as a black person, whether you're male or female, as a Latina person, whether you're male or female, as a person of color, it is challenging, right? But the wins, when they come, they are beautiful. Yeah, and right? you really do win for your whole life. But when I win, I know that I'm winning for, like, Black America or, you know, like, Filipino Black women. Like, I know that I'm representing, you know. I'm winning for, like, all of Hawaii. Like, I grew up in Hawaii. I grew up in Illinois. You win it. You, you want, you're winning for the team. You're winning for the team. I'm winning and... for every city I ever lived in. You know, like, I'm winning for every homeless kid ever. So, Aww. yeah, you carry that with you. And you hope to make people proud, you know? Well, I am 
so proud of you. And, you know, I want to ask you what I'm asking every guest on the show. You know, would you take the easy road or would you take the road less traveled by and why? Oh, I mean, I kind of, I feel like I kind of answered that when I talked about, uh, you know, not having everything handed to me. Absolutely. This, this road is the harder road. It's definitely the less traveled up. Being a CEO, it would be so much easier for me. I am a fully trained, full stack web developer. The first job I was offered out of my six month program because I had CEO experience was $114,000. It is so much easier. (laughs) (laughs) Take the money and run. Just stack my paper and like just be rich, you know. Like I, the things I could do with 114k a year and not having to invest it in a startup or invest it in my nonprofit or you know pay for computers for kids. The things I could do for myself if I was selfish would be so much easier. Yeah, I hear you. you know, so it's definitely harder to take that CEO boss route. Everybody's like, oh, I'm gonna be the boss. No. I honestly, like, I love my relationship with Vermont Slauson because I am an independent contractor with them. I am my own boss. We are working together. They never make me feel like an employee or it's all great, but I still have a team and I kind of have people to answer to, you know? And I personally like that because I was the person responsible for everything for so long that now it's just like, okay, this is my lane and this is where I'm at with this team. And it's such a great feeling. Oh, let me talk about one of the things that is pretty awesome with our boot camps. So we're all about training them in ways that they can make money as soon as possible. So web development, you know, if you can build websites, you can make money. You can do social media marketing. If you can do branding, if you know how to do branding the right way and a logo the right way, you know, a brand Bible with the correct fonts and, you know, you know how to identify the demographic. There's a whole science behind branding. Marketing is one of the most complex (laughs) spaces that pays very well because it's hard to do it's like long-term results you know but when you can get results people will pay you very well for it so these are the main things we're teaching and of course like i said all this revolves around multimedia and whatnot so local businesses are hiring us the nonprofit to do their marketing to build their websites to manage their social media to make campaigns so I'm so excited to see what we come up with, you know, as a collective team of very dedicated mentors, volunteers, and youth, what kind of campaigns we come up with. And we're excited too. I mean, we're going to continue to follow your journey and see all the magic you're creating in the world. And I'm so excited to have spent this time with you to learn like the impact that you're making. It's been amazing. I hope that our guests who are listening right now are enjoying this as much as I have. I am so excited to share you with the world. I want to keep you to myself, but, you know, this this is a podcast. It's a show. We got to keep doing it. So, innovators, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for being here, innovators. We'll see you next week when we take on the world one more time.